He was cursing out the Tigers and the Lions and ready to act like he was going to shoot them. If y'all have not seen Tiger King, it's a very interesting documentary. You must watch it. Uh, we have nothing else to do, so take time. If you want, if you have Netflix, check out Tiger King. Welcome to Tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varden. This beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Aha! To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. Trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast at The Athletic. We're back again. Myself, Sam Amick, NBA insider, writer uh, for The Athletic. As always with friend and partner, Joe Varden, also on the line. Uh, we're on a good run here of, of getting kind souls who are willing, Joe, to, to share their time with us and, and perspective and thoughts during this incredibly unique and challenging time. We are on the phone with the one and only Garrett Temple of the Brooklyn Nets, longtime NBA veteran, one of the best humans I've ever come across in doing this line of work. One of my favorite people. Um, Garrett, how the heck are you? What's going on, Sam? Uh, I appreciate the kind words, my man. Um, I'm doing all right in, in this, uh, you know, unprecedented situation. Um, trying to make the most of it. Uh, first off, I want to thank all the first responders. I want to thank everybody um, in the hospital this National Doctors Day. So, you know, make sure we, uh, is it really today? Every doctor I didn't realize that. right now. I think today is, I think it is. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, all the nurses, all the people that work in supermarkets and banks and every, everywhere that, you know, in this, in this uh, necessary places, I want to thank them. Thank them. Which is a great gesture by you. Um, that's kind of how you always roll. And, and it's funny, Garrett, before we hopped on, uh, you know, Joe and I predictably, uh, whenever we do the show, we'll, we'll try to game plan and get our heads in a certain spot to, figure out, okay, what do we want to chat with this person about? And with you, there's, there's just a ton of directions we could go um, because you, you know, you, you are, you've got connections to this situ uh, situation right here when it comes to playing for the Brooklyn Nets and the fact that what's happening in the New York region right now is terrifying. Um, I went back today and, and I went back, I went to look at the updated numbers um, and listen for the listeners here. I, I promise we will get to some lighter more entertaining stuff at some point in this conversation. I don't want the entire thing to be doom and gloom by any means, but it's real and it's right in front of everybody. And it's certainly right in front of you. The numbers in New York right now are just staggering. Uh, and just for perspective, you know, I, I combined the New York and Jersey number of cases as of today. And if you combine the two of those together, uh, we're talking about almost 80,000 that would uh, hypothetically represent the fifth most for any country let alone a state. I mean, it's, you know, where I'm in, I'm in California. It's bad out here. Um, not nearly as bad out in Ohio where Joe is. Um, but I will start there for you. You, you mentioned off air, you're, you're, you know, hanging in your spot in Brooklyn with your fiance and your dog. Um, you know, what is it like and, and how is this experience hitting you? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, we have CNN on for about an hour a day, anything more than that. will uh, you know, like you said, the doom and gloom, you just keep seeing more and more people. Um, but because we're in Brooklyn, uh, we understand how much of a hotbed New York City is. Um, you know, probably more so Manhattan than even Brooklyn uh, because it's so concentrated. We're kind of on the, we're near the water, kind of in more of a neighborhood. So uh, people aren't as condensed. We're not as close to each other. But, you know, the times that we do walk out and walk our dog, we have our gloves on uh we make keep our distance from people, you know, driving to the grocery store or, or to the facility to get some supplies is, is interesting because it's literally nobody on the road. And being in New York, this, this is not something that you see every day at all. So right. it's, uh, it's a situation that, uh, like I said earlier, unprecedented, something that is very fluid and you want to stay abreast of everything, but at the same time, you don't want to 
pay too much attention to, you know, pay pay attention to it too much because at the end of the day, it could just, you know, not give you any hope, but like just, you know, uh, bring down your your thoughts. You 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 don't want to think negative every day, all day. So, you know, we're trying to keep our mind, keep sane, uh, working out in the house, um, taking on some other some other tasks, and uh, you know, doing it day by day. Garrett, it's it's Joe, and um, you know, earlier this season, uh, you were so gracious to give me time for part of my story about basically how it's super cool to live in Brooklyn and play for the Nets, and and um, you and I got into how you live in Red Hook, and and one of the things about Brooklyn is the walkability of it, and you talk about how you and your uh, fiance and and the dog um, went down to Brooklyn Bridge Park on on a night and just kind of watched people play basketball there as, as the sun set. And I think a couple of days later, you guys actually had your practice there and you were talking about how cool it is. Um, do you still feel like now that you're, you're living there in the middle of this basically, basically pandemic war zone, do you still feel like it is a walkable place? Like, do you feel comfortable going and walking the dog? Do you walk down to the park? Um, cause you can keep your distance that way. So is, is it something that you're still trying to go out and do that part of it? Yeah, I mean, Red Hook for sure. Um, it's still very walkable. Um, you know, walking to the pier. We have a pier here that's uh, probably a half mile away. Um, and that's how you stay sane, doing things like that. You know, maybe not all the way to Brooklyn Bridge Park. I feel like the park, I don't know, but it may be um, pre-packed, kids out of school, you know, parents wanting their kids to be able to do something outside of the house. Uh, but it's definitely, you know, Brooklyn, I, I would imagine, is a little more walkable than Manhattan because, especially where I'm at in Red Hook, because we're by the, near the water. Um, so it just, like like the other day, we walked and sat at the pier and just relaxed. Um, we were able to have some sunshine. I think it was like 65 degrees in Brooklyn, uh, sunny. So we had to take advantage of that, but um, you know, it's it's still interesting because you know you walk by people and you try to keep six to eight feet away from them. So if you do walk by somebody, it's uh it's kind of a, a weird situation. Like I don't want to get too close to you. You know, mm-hmm. you know vice versa. Sure. If I do have something, so. What about, I want to jump in real fast, Garrett, just because as an athlete and a guy who can be recognizable, have you run into anything like that where folks are like, oh man, you're great with the nets and you're like, oh, that's great, but keep your distance. I I mean, that's a different type of thing for you. Actually, some kids, I was uh, outside the house bringing the trash out and uh, some kids were walking by the front door and they were like, they had, one of the kids actually had a net shirt on and he said, "Uh, you're Garrett Temple. I was like, yeah, how y'all doing? And he was about to start walking up to me and kind of put his hand out. And I was like, you can't really, you know, do that little man. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to my fault. So situations like that, but he understood. And uh, right. one time when me and my girlfriend were, me and my fiance were at the park, at a park out here in Red Hook, uh, a young lady tried to shake her hand just to meet her. And, and then the, the girl was like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. We can't, we can't do that. So a few times every now and then, you know, kids will forget. Um, people in general will forget, but it's a it's a time where you, know, you got to be very cautious and very careful, and uh, most people understand that. Garrett, I'm so glad you said fiance because I'm I was pretty sure that you guys were engaged, but like, what if you weren't? And I had already said you were engaged, and now she's listening, <laughs> and that would have got you in trouble and exactly. me in trouble. That exactly. would have a a disaster. But no, so. I mean, as you know, because we've been talking about it anyway, uh, and you know that like it's kind of like ground zero where you where you live right now, and you, mm-hmm. as any NBA player is, you you kind of are men of means right now. So you theoretically you could have left, you could have gone somewhere that's not as just not as concentrated with the virus and kind of rode this out a little bit away from all of that. Um, wh- why did you? Why didn't you? Why, why decide to stay in Brooklyn? Well, um, you know, it's an it's a situation where Louisiana, where I'm from, where uh, we probably would have gone, is not a area where it's you know subsided at all. Anyway, it's actually probably per capita the highest in the in the nation. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I uh, just wanted to be here. I felt like it was a place where, like I said, they brought us an exercise bike. They, you know, the facility is, uh, can be open just in case I need treatment or rehab. Uh, the NBA allows people to go in for rehab. Um, and it's an area where we, you know, we know we have, uh, the, the Nets are supplying us with, with groceries, with food. So it's, uh, it's consistent here. We know exactly what we're going to get. Um, whereas if I go home, the workout process may be a little different. I don't know who's going to be in the gym when I'm working out. Um, or if I can get a place where it's private, things of that nature. Um, so we decided to, to, to stay here until we know for sure what's going to happen with the season. And, uh, and then when we figure that out, we'll make a decision from there. So Garrett, I mean, now that we're, we're talking here today, it's, it's Monday, March 30th. And you think about people around some of the more famous people around the world. Uh, I think Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson were, were the first two, but now that, you know, the, the prime minister of Great Britain has it and the prime minister of Canada's wife uh, of Canada, his wife has it. Um, we've had country music stars who have actually, you know, kind of have died from it um, and kind of on and on. But one of the first, maybe after the Hankses, uh, the first celebrity to get it was your teammate, Kevin Durant, who shared that with, with our, uh, one of our insiders, Sham Sharania. Um, and, and, and it, he, it was him. And then it was three other guys. And we're not going to ask you to tell us who the other three were, but I do want to know what that was like, uh, like, First of all, what kind of ran through your mind when you heard that teammates had it? And then just sort of the process of did you get tested yourself knowing that you, that teammates had it or was it a, or was it more of like you all got tested at the same time and learned that four of you had it? We all got tested. We were in L.A. when stuff was going on and then went to San Francisco, which uh, early on in, in America, those were two hotbeds, uh, obviously, as well as uh, – Seattle. So uh, when I found when we found out uh, about Kay, uh, when he told us, it was like, wow, really? Because flying back as a team and doing this different things, none of us had been around. You know, we did. We looked at the schedule. We hadn't played against Utah. We hadn't played against any teams that they had played against. Um, you know, uh, after they played against them, you know, in terms of Utah, maybe you know, if they had played against Boston, we hadn't played them since they played against Utah. So it was a situation where we were thinking, you know, none of us probably have it. It's just you know, a nice precaution to take because we were in LA and, uh, you know, guys went to dinner and, and, and maybe went out and stuff like that. So when we found out that Katie had it, it was um, kind of shocking, honestly. He wasn't showing any symptoms. Uh, and I was, I was, uh, you know, you know, not scared necessarily, because at that point it was like basically young uh, athletes are very at a very low risk of getting really sick. But I was, uh, you know, um, sad for him uh, because this is something that you just don't want to have. And cause we don't really know anything about it. And um, so that was the main thing. Just, you know, what was, was I was surprised and I didn't want, I wanted to make sure that he knew uh, we had his back for whatever he needed. Um, you know, in that in that regard. So as a team, we you know, we have a group chat, and uh, everybody uh, you know told him they were thinking about him and things of that nature, as well as the other guys. And the fact that he he wasn't symptomatic was was good. Obviously, I mean, he didn't we wasn't going to feel anything. But you know, you got to stay in your house fourteen days and stay in a room if you're living with somebody else. That that's not fun at all. So I wondered. You mentioned KD telling you guys. Garrett, did, was it in the group chat? You know, how did, how did he choose to share that news with y'all? Uh, yeah, he let us know. He let us know. And, um, you know, guys were, were in shock, you know. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it was something that that came out. And um, I, we, we, we still don't know how his name came out. Again, the biggest thing was that he wasn't sick. And at the end of the day, the fact that he wasn't sick uh, wasn't sh- was that he was not showing symptoms was was uh, the biggest deal in my opinion because he wasn't you know nothing I guess negative 
was going to happen to just him as long as he follows protocol. Um, he wasn't going to, he stays quarantined. He can't pass it on anybody, but at the main, the main point that he won't be at risk of getting more ill. And, and obviously some people have passed away. A lot of people have passed away from this. So that was the biggest thing that, that, uh, that I cared about. Well, so within that, I wonder this, we had Joe Ingles on the show last week and everybody's got their own unique life situation. And, and as you probably know with Joe, so Joe's married, he's got two, three-year-old uh, twin kids uh, and, and daughter and a son. And, and one of them is autistic and has a compromised immune system. So a pretty unique, challenging, you know, family situation for Joe and his wife, Renee. And, and Garrett, we asked him a question that I want to throw your way. Cause I think every player is going to have to, you know, get clarity for themselves on this question. And, and that was, you know, what would it take uh, for you to feel comfortable getting back on a court again? I think it's probably safe to say that when, uh, whenever y'all get on the court, it's likely not going to include fans for the foreseeable future. Um, but with Joe, you know, you had a higher level of concern because he's petrified about possibly bringing something home and harming his child. Uh, and specifically the one with the immune system that just doesn't function properly. And with you, uh, these are, you know, this, this is just, to me, uh, it's certainly nothing we've ever seen in the NBA when it comes to the types of questions that have to be pondered. When is it safe to come back? How do you get clarity on, um, you know, what safety looks like? Uh, but the players, you guys have every right, like any other person, to protect yourselves, protect your health. Uh, so so what does that look like or what does that look like for you? What, what, what do you need to hear and see to think about bouncing a ball in an NBA setting again. Yes. Um, that's very understandable. Um, you know, people have, uh, have wives or girlfriends, fiancés that they have to come home to that are obviously, and then younger children or maybe even their, their uh, significant other is pregnant. Um, and that's a situation where you want to be careful. Obviously we don't, we don't know what happens and things like that. So, for me, um, I think the the forty five minute test results is big. The the uh, ability to be able to test and get the results back quickly. Um, I agree that we don't that fans not being there is a plus. But I think if we have a situation where we know uh, the result, the testing can be done, and we know whether the person has it in a, a much more timely manner, um, and we test right before we go into the uh, into the facilities wherever we end up playing. Uh, everybody gets tested if they have enough tests to go around and do that. Um, I feel comfortable enough that the league will have will have it under control to where we can play. Uh, you know, if guys are, if everybody is obviously negative. Um, and whoever is not negative, you know, in terms of whoever needs to be in, in, in the facility cannot go into the facility. I would feel comfortable if we have that you know, um, also the uh, the facilities being disinfected prior to, directly prior to us entering them. So I, I think those measures right now, uh, as well as the basketball is being, like everything in the facility, everything that would be used being disinfected um, prior to us using them, as well as people being tested before we uh, enter. You know, and, and who's nobody knows how that's going to look in terms of, you know, playoffs or after the next game, do you continue doing that for the game or during the playoffs? Do you, you know, do, do people stay in the same area? Um, it's, it's an interesting situation that is going to unfold um, either way it goes. So, you know, it's going to be all hands on deck. Well, and, and I should have mentioned this at the top. I mean, the folks who follow the, the league already know this, but, you know, Garrett um, is a longtime, one of the VPs for the NBPA Players Union. Yeah, I mean, so this is not just the, the, the random perspective of another player. You're in the room, and I do wonder – uh, what are those discussions like right now? How, how often is the executive committee talking uh, and, and what can you share about the state of affairs on that front? Because the two questions and, you know, you can decide how far back you want to pull the curtain, but the two questions that are unanswered, uh, A, when might the league kick up again? I, I've heard rumblings that that the league office is examined mid-June uh, pretty intensely, um, just, you know, but but they are certainly following the medical professionals. And, and these are all just scenarios that they're trying to work out. The other thing is that, that is front and center for players everywhere is that while, like Joe said earlier, yes, most NBA players come from great means when it comes to the type of, of, you know, uh, paychecks coming your way. Um, but you got a lot of players who are 
maybe living paycheck to paycheck when it comes to haven't been in the league very long. And we don't know if players are going to get paid after the checks that are coming, I think, tomorrow. Um, there's not clarity on that front. Um, those two things for me are, are top of mind. What can you share there? You know, we've talked probably three or four times as an executive committee, uh, maybe five times. We probably are going to talk again on Wednesday. It's so fluid. Um, the, the, everything that you're hearing is the same thing that we're hearing about maybe mid-June. Uh, depending on, and obviously it would be in front of no fans, um, but the fact that if, if, if the 50 people are, if it goes, the 50 people or less thing changes, then, you know, we because you need at least about 150, 200 people to actually run a game and have TV broadcasting and everything like that. Um, and depending on where we want to have the game, it's probably not the case that the games would be in, in the arenas. Um, uh, we're trying to figure out the pay schedules, like you said, um, whether we'll be, we'll be getting paid, uh, you know, the exact same amount of money every 15th. Now we do know that there's something called force majeure that the, the NBA can implement. Um, but that's only if they decide to cancel the entire season. Um, and that's something that they can implement and, and, and uh, uh, every game that the, the uh, that we have missed, they can take one ninety second of one ninety second of one percent of our game check of the check. So it's a lot of different moving parts. And but I, I agree with what you said. You know, guys that have been in the league alone uh, a while, or guys that have big contracts, obviously, or at, in situations where they have means. Um, but some guys that are on you know ten day contracts or on their minimum deals or two way guys, they're in a situation where they. Uh, maybe living, you know, if not paycheck to paycheck, you know, they, they need that second paycheck or that third paycheck. Uh, something I do want to mention, Bobby Marks and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted something about a week and a half ago about um, NBA players being paid 90% of their check come this check. And that's um, not true. And I talked to those guys about it. Uh, you know, most guys, I want to say over 400 guys are paid on a 20, uh, on a 12 month, pay period pay schedule so 24 paychecks um and april 1st would be the 10th paycheck i believe uh if not the 11th so we're less than halfway which percentage garrett did you say over 400 guys so i wanted this might be 460 yeah so over 400 guys the default pay plan is 24 payments through a 12-month period so uh most guys a uh, large over 80 percent of the guys have um you know, get paid up until November 1st. And then the next year starts November 15th. You know, a lot of that was done to halt people that would go into the summertime and, and, you know, run through money. Because of that, you know, being April 1st, if you do the math, it's around 10 or 11 checks that have been paid out. So less than half of what we're owed has been paid. And uh, we, you know, let's say the season starts today, that will only be about, you know, personally, like for the Brooklyn Nets, we have eight, we have 18 games left. So that's definitely... Or that's around 70% uh, of the season that we've already done. So if you do the math, obviously the checks can't stop because we're still old, even though they do, if you do the force majeure. I think a, a way for the league to do it, if, if, if the season does, will not be able to continue. Uh, we, we talked about instead of stopping checks directly at whatever month it needs to be stopped, more so reducing the amount that's given each check so it can be, I guess uh, the phase out would be different, but all of this is obviously just ideas thrown around. We want to be ready for whatever happens. Um, hopefully, um, you know the the uh, spike and the and the the uh, top of everybody's um, what's what's the word that uh, Governor Governor Cuomo has been using the curve uh, the tipping point uh, the curve. Yeah, hopefully that starts to go down, and you know people can start, um, you know, slowly um, getting back to normal life, and um, and we can we can begin our season and uh, you know finish playing. Uh, obviously, if the season starts later, then obviously there's a possibility that next season would start later, and everything else would be pushed back. Uh, so it's a lot of different things that have been tossed around, and um, you know we're all just listening to ideas, like I said, because it's such a fluid situation. Okay, Garrett, let, let me uh, 
I was going to say, let, let me run through some of that. Um, j- just again, just to, to be clear on some of this. Um, the next paycheck is coming, I think, mid-April. Is that right? Uh, the, actually, the next paycheck comes tomorrow, April 1st. April 1st is the first page is the check coming up. And then um, the next one is April 15th. And uh, the players expect to receive those at the full amount. Yes. The, this paycheck for sure is going to be the full April amount. 1st. April 1st yeah. is going to be the full amount. April 15th, there, there has not been a decision on that yet. And you um, you said that it's been communicated uh, to the executive committee that that um, a, a fluid target date of playing by mid June is that correct? No, no, that hasn't been necessarily communicated. This is again just something, okay, ideas thrown out there. Um, if we start in mid June, this is what the you know what would the season look like? Um, if we can't start until late June, if we start early June, you know, different scenarios have been thrown out, but nobody has said. This is where we're pushing. This is where we're hoping to start at. You mentioned the arena situation, Garrett, and the idea that the games likely wouldn't be played in NBA arenas. And um, again, this is we're all sitting around talking to people on the phone and hearing different things. And I keep hearing uh, Vegas, you know, coming up as a, a possible neutral site, you know, a place where you could control the environment. It sounds crazy because of the chaos and the the not necessarily a sanitary reputation that Vegas has normally, but now. Uh, it's it's largely a ghost town uh, because of what's happening. Um, you know, it, can you see a situation where the league potentially would would pick one, whether it's Vegas or somewhere else, pick you know one spot to bring all and 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 try to control the environment as much as possible? Um, yeah, I guess I could. Um, it's ironic because we were you know talking about the the um, mid season tournament and uh, and you know that that. You know, the league has thought about doing for next year or the year after that and and the championship of that tournament being in a place like Vegas um, that we've come to a situation where we may have to um, play in one certain area I guess Vegas is a place obviously we know we you know the lead the NBA comes together for some league there um, it's an area that we know we understand um, so I it's, it's definitely a possibility. It wouldn't be anything foreign to us because of the fact that summer league is held there every year. Uh, but it would be foreign because you know it's, it's something totally different and uh, totally uh, unprecedented. So, Joe, tournaments have been canceled. You know this. Leagues have been suspended. There hasn't been a live game on TV in what feels like a year, maybe two, maybe a decade, even though it's been barely more than a week. But there's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than to take them away completely. Meanwhile, here's the saving grace and the silver lining. The Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there. And in these very strange, very uncertain times, we're still very hard at work doing excellent reporting, trying to tell unique, engaging and informative story. Well, Sam, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you for giving me a chance to talk about my very favorite subject. Of course. Me. My shit. (laughs) You all can still come to The Athletic and read just groundbreaking work from, as Sam said, all 400 of our people, more than 400 um, today. And it's what's kind of cool, actually, is that there's such a unique mix of of what we're offering right now. We're doing off-the-wall stuff like listing 100 favorite movies, talking about uh, favorite players. We're doing city-by-city halls of fame, which I think are pretty cool. Um, we're doing some serious things like what is basketball going to look like when it comes back? Um, or, you know, for instance, uh, I had a story last week that talked about, uh, the need for all of major sports to get back playing this summer on television, uh, because of sort of the, the economic trouble that's coming at all of them looked at baseball and hockey and the NCAA. And of course the NFL in addition to, to, to our sport basketball, um, you can, find all of this and so much more at the athletic and it's it's you know i mean i think in a way sam it's a it's a proud time to work here because of uh, we cover sports for a living they don't exist right now and we're still giving readers an escape well here's the irony to that point uh, honestly people talk all the time about how the athletes themselves typically are the ones providing an escape and and now since they can't do their thing we're trying to do our thing and and trying to be creative about it um, one of my favorites, Joe, we just published the top 100 sports movies of all time. 
list, which was voted on by the entire athletic staff. I hate to admit it. I'm going to confess here on the tampering pod. Uh, Joe, I have never seen the number two movie on that list. So I now need to go watch raging bull, which I somehow have never watched previously. So I thought that was cool. Shout out to Brett Dawson, one of our Lakers beat writers who wrote a good piece on training in coronavirus times and talked to a bunch of NBA experts about diet and exercise and fitness within whatever your confines might be. So I'm with you for sure. There's been some really, really cool stuff on the site, and and I think we are doing a nice job of providing a distraction. And it's during times like this that The Athletic can help keep you connected to the teams, the athletes, and the sports you love. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, the reporting, storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com backslash tampering, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Games aren't being played right now. We get it. But the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go away. So go to theathletic.com backslash tampering for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. So in the meantime, obviously, um, you know, because as of now, we're all kind of thinking at some point uh, we'll all get back to work. And certainly the NBA players are, are doing that. And um, so what do you – you've talked a little bit about staying in shape. I know you have a, an exercise bike. I think you told us off air. But, but, but what specifically do you do to stay in shape? And then, um, you know, there is more couch time. So I think all of America wants to know what it is, in fact, that you're watching. Right. So, uh, definitely more couch time, more bedtime for me. Um, but so our, our team, our strength coaches, uh, send us workouts every day. Um, whether it be something that we do on our own or, or maybe it may be a FaceTime workout, uh, where the strength coaches FaceTime us, like the group, maybe six or seven guys. And we'll do maybe a circuit, um, uh, they also gave us some dumbbells and some bands to do. And I've realized how creative strength coaches can be when, uh, when they got to make something happen inside an apartment or a town home or whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, I've also, uh, like you said, been watching a lot of Netflix. I finished Tiger King. Um, okay. Last night, uh, my fiance and I finished Tiger King. I started Ozark season three. Um, there you go. Great show. Uh, my fiance is watching something called Euphoria with Zendaya in it. Um, I haven't got got on that yet. Uh, and honestly, you know, I've uh, started um, prepping for the LSAT. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm taking some online wow. some online classes, online live classes to get ready for the LSAT. Uh, law school has been something that I thought about doing. Um, whenever I finish playing and, you know, the LSAT score last five years. So, um, you know, I feel like I'll play three or four more years, um, maybe a little more, but if I take the LSAT at the end of the end of the year, whenever the season is over, um, then I'll be able to keep that score for about five years. And, you know, what better, what better time to, uh, get a three or four hours of study and then when you don't have anything else to do. So that, that's what I'm on right now. I thought we had a scoop here, Garrett. Then I just Googled Garrett Temple and degree and, and the New York Post headline four <laughs> days ago. Nets Garrett Temple using NBA yeah. coronavirus yeah. pause to start locker room. So, all right. We can at least extend the <laughs> yeah, conversation. Yeah, my, my, my Yes Network guy. My <laughs> Yes Network guy. Uh, Michael Grady got the All scoop. Right. Got the scoop you, so. you, you've given us plenty. But like, uh, what's the inspiration there uh, in terms of going down that road post-playing career? Uh, I graduated in business business management from LSU, and uh, I was talking to my dad, and I thought about going to get my MBA when I finished, or maybe even during while I'm playing. You can get that online. Um, and he was like, you know, what about a, you? Really, should think about getting a law degree. A law degree is very, um, you know, prestigious. is very unique. You walk into a room, and people, you know, the perception of you changes a little bit uh, in a in a positive way. Um, my pops actually went to law school for, he said, a semester and a half. And then he's like, I, I'm, I'm dropping out. He's like, but you're a lot smarter than me. So it's something that I thought about doing. And then uh, talking to different uh, lawyers, Brian Stevenson, who uh, the movie Just Mercy is about, uh, that Michael B. Jordan plays in, and Jamie Foxx. After talking to him um, for about an hour, an hour and a half, before we had a screening of it, you know, 
he explained to me a lot of the things he was able to do, a lot of lives he was able to change. Um, and I don't know if I want to be a prosecutor or if I actually want to even practice law, honestly, but just having that knowledge and being able to uh, learning how to think differently. Um, that's one thing I've, I've heard that that's been common in everybody I've talked to. Law school teaches you how to think in a different manner than, than uh, everybody else, honestly. And uh, I would love to have that um, ability. I love to gain the knowledge. And at the end of the day, Sam, you know, everybody needs a lawyer. You need a lawyer for anything. So, uh, I, I hopefully will be able to find be able to find work when I finish playing. Oh, you will for <laughs> sure. I mean, uh, for one, I was going to keep it light and say, watch out, Ron Klempner, you know, Players Association attorney. Here, here comes Garrett. Maybe you can work with Ron. You don't necessarily need to push him out. Right, but, um, right. But I also, on a more sober note, one of the things that you and I connected on that was much, much, much bigger than basketball, and it's another reminder of the importance of of attorneys is the Stefan Clark no killing question. in Sacramento. Uh, the young man who was shot down by Sacramento police. And, and when Garrett played for the Kings at the time, uh, was incredibly active in the community. And this is back in March of 2018. And, you know, you were talking to the people about, uh, about what Stefan represented and, and, but lawyers certainly played a major, major part. And in, in some of those voices being heard. No question. Um, I actually watched a TED talk and this may have been the spark, really the spark. I watched a TED talk about four years ago. It was a, uh, a prosecutor in Canada. And honestly, he was a guy, if you looked at him, society would tell you that he's not a lawyer. Um, he's a black guy with dread, with very long um, dread uh, locks and he talked about the importance of being a prosecutor instead of a, his his opinion in, in the importance of being a prosecutor, why he wanted to get on that side instead of a defense attorney is because he wanted to help men uh, and women and people of color that um, have been railroaded by the justice system and, you know, put in situations where they honestly couldn't win. Um, and it's, it's a very, very interesting um, insightful TED talk that actually under made me understand how much power um, prosecutors in the in in our nation and in the justice system have uh, in in a lot of cases even more than the judges. So um, it's something that probably that that's probably the thing that actually sparked my mindset the most. Uh, and it's something that hopefully I can hopefully I, first of all hopefully I can pass you know get a good enough score on the LSAT that some law school will take me. And then when I get when I get there. Uh, a little farther, farther than my dad did. There you go. So, so you're sure then that the way you didn't come about wanting to be a lawyer was you're on the couch watching Tiger King and seeing that Joe Exotic, this dude from Myrtle Beach, and then the lady in in Florida, all of them have like fucking like 200 tigers, and you didn't think maybe <laughs> we need more lawyers out there, out there clearly. Nah, nah, I, I didn't think about that. Um, that's it's insane though. That that is insane. I mean, the fact that he had two hundred and twenty seven tigers and then, you know, at the end of it they showed that he was that he really got into it talking about, you know, people shouldn't be breeding these tigers, they should they shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Uh by the end of it, he was cursing out the tigers and the lions and ready to acting like he was gonna shoot them. Um it's a if y'all have not seen Tiger King, it's a very no, interesting we've, we've documentary. It, yeah. You must watch it. Uh, we have nothing else to do, so take time if you want. If you have Netflix, check out Tiger King, and also check out Players TV. If you have a Samsung TV, a nice plug. Um, uh, Anthony Tolliver, myself, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, CJ McCollum, um, Thaddeus Young, a few guys have invested in something called Players TV. It's a uh, player media group, and and they have something called Players TV that's on all Samsung devices. Um, it's ch channel 1003 on Samsung Plus TV. Uh, it just it just dropped on uh, March 25th, and it's a it's a channel um, specifically geared towards player content outside of the actual games. Um, and that's not just basketball; it's baseball, football, soccer, um, bowling, whatever it may be, uh, women's gymnastics. So make sure y'all check that out. Player TV on Samsung TV Plus. 
we could have led with that, man. You didn't even tell us about that. You know, my God, we've been chatting for 40 minutes and now you're putting your salesman hat on. I like it. Yeah. That sounds cool. Um, I mean, is, is it what sort of content, especially in this quarantine time, uh, can people expect? What what type of stuff is on there right now? Well, they have um, Stefan Marbury's uh, story about him uh, in China. Uh, they have Danny Green's um, his podcast, The Green Room. Um, DeAndre Jordan's Mindful Life, uh, where he talks about meditation and, and, and being vegan. And uh I was actually just watching it. Um and they have they had something that I didn't even know about. Uh a, a soccer player had uh he has a podcast as well and he had a guy, an expert, um come on there to discuss, you know, talk about coaching, talking about coaching and teaching and um and it's interesting because he came from a tech background and he was like computer science major. Very, very smart, but wanted but loved sports and wanted to learn about, you know, more about sports. So there's a lot of different things on there, man. Uh, again, everybody loves great content and everybody loves to see what their favorite players are, are up to outside of the game. So yeah, it's uh, something That's that cool. we, we hope uh, catches on and, and uh, is, is here for a while. A real quick follow on the I got a, on the Tiger King front, guys. Um, and, and Joe can relate <laughs> because you got a, a, a 10 year old son. Um, I was looking for, you know, when we're stuck in the same house, I'm looking for stuff that I want to watch selfishly on my own. Uh, then you got to look for the couple's content, you know, what works with you and the wife. And then you got the family stuff. We have two young sons. And uh, I made the mistake right out the gate of going, oh, Tiger King, that looks like a fun family friendly <laughs> show. Animals, you know, <laughs> right. We turn this thing on and then the, the boys, they're they're all in it. Like they jump on the couch. Let's go. And we get about five minutes in. There's been about 17 F-bombs. You know, <laughs> it's not not what we thought it was going to be. Uh, so, yeah, they did not finish Tiger King with me. But the other thing that made me laugh yesterday, I look at Apple Music and I know, listen, I know folks listening and I know everybody's bored. You need time, you know, to fill, you need content. But the fact that Joe Exotic yesterday was trending on Apple Music, which means that thousands, if not millions of people were actively pursuing his terrible country music <laughs> that is from the show. I that, that blew my mind. Like, I know we're desperate, but what are we doing here? Joe Exotic hey, was trending hey, yesterday. you know what, my... We were talking about that last night when we were finishing it. It's not as bad as you would think. Every time it came on, I was like, I'm not even, I'm not a country fan, uh, even though I'm from Louisiana. Yeah. I was like, this, he doesn't sound half bad at all. You know and what? then I looked up. My, Garrett, it's not that bad if you don't have to look at it. I, I, exactly. The video version is you know, the worst part. It came up that he's, that's not even him singing. My fiance found an article. Is that right? That, yeah, that's not him singing. Somebody else is singing those songs. Oh, and wow. I, so I was like, he doesn't wow. sound the same singing that as he does talking so yeah that's not joe exotic right, singing. Right. I, I hope i didn't oh, heard his uh heard his you know ratings on apple but that's the truth man well and that's he's singing songs about taking out his competition yeah that true. was insane it's crazy you gotta so, have some some crazy in you when you mess with uh grown tigers and lions <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So Garrett, I mean, obviously you are a valued rotation player on the Brooklyn Nets. And if we were not talking to you in the middle of the end of the world, we would have all kinds of stuff to get into. I mean, you guys were over there uh, in China when all that went to hell uh, at the start of the year. Um, you have a new teammate, um, one of the enigmatic stars that we have in our league, uh, Kyrie, of course. And then right before all this stuff happened, there was just the crazy stuff uh, involving Kenny. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you got, and I've read all the quotes, like when it happened. And of course you guys all said how shocked or surprised or whatever. Um, but now that you've had a couple of weeks to kind of get away from that and, and yes, our, all of our minds have been elsewhere, but, um, now you've had a couple of weeks to kind of wrap your head around that. Like what, what can you tell listeners, um, just a, a, about the Kenny situation and, and losing a guy who, I mean, I don't remember how close you were to him or, or whatever the case was, but just what that was like and kind of the, the impact of that as it happened. It was surprising, honestly. Um, it was, I, I didn't expect that to happen. Um, you know, Kenny brought me, brought me here was a big reason why, why I came here because of the type of coach, type of guy he was, uh, everything I had heard about him. And then when I got here, 
It was um, just as I had heard, if not better. Um, so the fact that that happened and, you know, learning more about it, the fact that it was literally mutual, you know, people say that, but then this situation was actually the case. Um, it was just, it was ironic. It was the, the first time, actually, as many teams as I've, I've, as I've been on, this is the first time I've been on the team and the coach got fired during the season. Wow. Um, and uh, we were in the playoff hunt. We were seventh in the, in the East, as we are right now. Uh, and obviously, you got two stars coming back next year. So it's a situation that, um, you know, he, he believed it was time. Um, Sean, obviously the same, that's what mutual means. And, um, you know, it was, you know, definitely different. Uh, I, again, I haven't experienced anything like it before, but, um, the guy, the type of coach he is, the, the way that he was able to bring this franchise, this team, um, up and forward. And, uh, I think he's going to easily get another job very, very, very soon. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, he has a great energy about him, uh, very personable. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to always love him for what he was able to do for me here, but also just for this, for this organization. You know, like I said, when he first started, I think they were probably won 15 games or something like that, 20 games. And then for them to make it, uh, to go as a six seed last year, uh, was, it was a, was a hell of a, hell of a step. Um, so again, because of that, he, he's going to definitely land on his feet. But it was something that was that was not expected. That's for sure. Did you get a chance? Uh, I mean, have you? I don't know what kind of standard protocol is in situations like that. I mean, is that something where maybe you you connect with Kenny after the fact um, to kind of tie a loose end on that relationship, or how do you handle it when when the team decides to? Like you said, it's mutual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. You, uh, I mean, it's it's up to you. It's up. It's, it's up to you and that person and. Actually, I was going to let us settle, and then the Corona thing happened, and so I haven't, I haven't, we haven't talked. Um, but I definitely will reach out to him, uh, and we'll, we'll discuss. You know, just talk about about life. Every time me and Kenny talk, it's, it's really about just basketball. You know, he's the guy that always wants to uh, talk to you about what's going on in your life, and and that's what makes him a, a special coach, in my opinion. The coaches that really care about you and and um, you know care about what's going on with people that you care about in your life. Those are the ones that you know, most players will do anything for uh, because they know that they really care. Yeah. Garrett, just, um, just to piggyback off that. I mean, uh, my interactions with him had always been good. And then the nets were kind enough to give me some time to really sit with him and, and talk uh, for that, that Brooklyn story we mentioned at the top and, um, not only was it probably one of my favorite conversations all year, um, but just the <laughs> sort of the passion that he exuded for the community. Like he, he's like, yes, I want to talk to you about this because it's one of my favorite things. Like he just, he fundamentally loves living there and he just, it was kind of oozing from him. Um, and so among all the other reasons why you would be surprised about this, like to read that it was mutual, it's just like that guy was Brooklyn, you know, in, in, as, as anybody else could have been who wasn't born there. So I just, you know, I, I just wanted to share that, that um, I've had the same kind of interaction. I could see why you would be talking to him about life instead of basketball. He's, he's definitely that kind of guy. No question. You know, he's the type of guy I told him where I moved and he was like, Oh, I love it. My wife doesn't want to move there, but I love it. Um, <laughs> and you know, after a game I'm driving, I'm driving home and I see him, this is after the game we we played. <laughs> He's on the uh, on the corner with a be- with a beanie on, um, about to catch the subway. Uh, he just coached an NBA basketball game. Um, so that that that's Kenny Atkinson for you, man. Uh, a man of the people. Awesome. Good stuff. Listen, Garrett. Uh, in normal times, I'd, I'd be feeling incredibly guilty about keeping you on the line this long. And I keep having this thought: we got, we got, we got to let Garrett go, and then it's like, well, what, what's he got to do? He got nothing to do. You know, we're good. But no, we're gonna let you go. Uh, you've shamed us enough because the rest of us, with all this extra time, we're we're trying to create content, trying to write stories. But we're we're other than that, probably Joe and I are, are having one too many glasses of wine because we got nothing else to do. And you're out here getting a law degree. <laughs> you know, better in yourself. Uh, at least we got Tiger King in common. 
right, uh, right. We cannot thank you enough for doing this, man. Seriously, thank you for doing it. Um, all the best to to you and everybody around you, and uh, we'll be in touch. I know we we kind of went through all the the unanswered questions of these next few weeks, so uh, it'll be incredibly interesting to see when we can all get back to work again. But thank you very much, man. We appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me, man. Uh, y'all stay safe. Ah, you too, man. It was fun. All right, Garrett. All right. Yeah, be good. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye. Sam, before we close, I, I do have to wonder what the what pandemic or no pandemic has to do with how many glasses of wine you drink. <laughs> uh, maybe it's not it's not about the glasses of wine. It's it's the repertoire of, of uh, it's it's extending beyond wine, and that's the problem. And now, like Moscow <laughs> mules are a, a staple, um, but that was boring me a little bit recently, and so. I kind of moved off beer. You know, the older you get, Joe, it's like, all right, it's, it gives you bubble guts. And, and, and I moved off a little bit, but but just to mix it up, I, you know, had a, a couple cans yesterday. So I just now I'm going to go log on to the nearest law school and maybe try to better myself like Garrett and, and stop being Jeez, such a man. degenerate. Put us to shame. That was good. I mean, he, he covered a ton of ground. Um and honestly, it kind of set the stage for the next month or so. When it comes to NBA business, there's just a lot of unpre- uh, unprecedented material or kind of landscape to get through. Um, you know, he's just like us and the fans right now, even though he's in the room and he's on the inside, there are no answers here because, you know, this virus obviously is controlling the world, the story, the situation. So we'll see uh, where it goes from here. But thanks, man. He was really good. Yeah, he was. And, you know, I mean, there was so much to get into with him. Um, and, and I am, you know, I I certainly want us all to come back. I want the NBA to resume and I want, I hope the NBA lets us in to to write, uh, to, to write live off of these games and practices and whatever. Um, I hope it happens. I think somehow it will happen. Uh, we need some, we need some modern medicine engineering, I think, to get there before we can be safe at all. Um, but then it's just the mind boggling logistics of even doing this without fans. Um, you know, because you can't, you can't have the players hanging out with family really. Um, because then, you know, family members have to go to the store or they have to see their friends or whatever. They have to live their lives. Um, and so how do you control that? And then you start talking about the support staff, even for games without fans, whether it's coaches, assistant coaches, who, who's going to make these meals? Where are they coming from? Um, you know, are they all staying in hotels? Okay. Well then who's running the hotels? Who's cleaning them? What's their access to the players? I mean, it just, it, you go on down the list. It's like, you're not just keep taking 500 millionaires and sticking them in a bubble for a month or two. It's a lot more people than that. And so I'm confident that people smarter than me are sitting in a room somewhere trying to figure all this out, but it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be a hell of a task. No question. No question. All right, brother, we're on a good run. This is uh, you know, in tough times, media wise, we, uh, I'll be honest, all of a sudden between talking to Dan Pfeiffer, talking to Joe Ingles, talking to Garrett Temple, uh, the tampering pot has become the uh, the work highlight of my week. So job well done. That's right. Next week, tune in for Donald Trump and Barack Obama at the same time here on Tampa. Okay. <laughs> See you, brother. Hello. Hey, Joe. No, that's – we keep calling, calling our poor person. Sorry about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. How – We've called them three times.